Awesome. And my name is Justin Elon, I'm the pastor of Children of Community Groups, and we are so glad you're with us today. Whether it's your very first time or you're online watching this or podcasting, you're in Wesley Chapel, however you're joining us, we're glad that you're here. Uh, for the longtime Jesus follower or the person who's investigating stuff and trying to figure out where they fit with the whole faith thing, everyone is welcome here. We're so glad you're with us. Uh, today, we're going to wrap up a series called People of the Fine Print. Uh, hopefully, you gathered that from our little video we played. And what we've been doing the last few weeks is we've been looking at people in Scripture uh, that most of us, even if we have a church background, uh, probably have never really heard about or don't know a lot about. So most of us, even if you don't have a big church background, if I say uh, David fought somebody, almost everyone's going to say Goliath right? Because we hear about that reference all the time, even in sports things, where it's like, man, this is a real David versus Goliath type game. If someone's favored, someone's the underdog. We think about people, maybe you've heard of Joshua, or you're named after someone from the Bible, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jesus, Peter, Paul, and Mary, like any of those. Some people get that. If you're under a certain age, you're like, I don't know what's so funny about Peter, Paul, and Mary. But so all these people, like a lot of us, depending on our church background, like We've heard a lot about them. And they're, they, in some ways, they feel like the big people of Christianity. But there's also, if you look through Scripture, there's all kinds of people who have uh, really little mentions of their name or they have much smaller passages written about them that we don't know a whole lot about. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a couple, a husband and wife, who had a profound impact on the Jesus movement, on the gathering of believers, because they did one very simple thing. And the great thing is that all of us in here, we actually can do that one simple thing as well. And simply put, they opened their home and their heart to people. They were willing to have people come into their house and mess with their stuff and be with them. And also, not just their home, they opened their heart where they said, hey, I'm going to be vulnerable and show you who I really am. And I'm really going to give you a place where you can show me who you really are. And we can walk through life together in a, a word it was hospitality. Now, for some of us, like the word hospitality doesn't sound like a really exciting thing or like, yeah, I came to church. I just hope they talk about hospitality today, right? Especially, uh, honestly, if you're a guy, like, and this isn't like meaning to be like a huge sexist stereotype, it's just my experience. Like, guys, we kind of lack this big time, right? Like, and I've been a guy my whole life. I grew up a guy. I've lived with guys. I've had best friends who are guys. I have a lot of experience with guys, okay? So, like, I know how guys think, and we'd be totally fine. You come over to my house for a game or a fight or something, and, like, there's drinks, there's chips and dip, and if we're feeling fancy, there's, like, pizza bites that we threw in the oven, right? <laughs> and we could literally sit on cardboard boxes and watch anything, and we're totally fine with that. Ladies are not like this, and we are grateful they're not like this. I learned about all sorts of hospitality things, because hospitality is not just like what you do, it's how you make people feel when they're in your house, right? So I got married, I learned about all the intricacies of things like curtains, like we got drapes, or we got like blinds, we got things, like that blocks people from seeing it, why do we got to buy another thing on top of that to like double up, but it makes it feel better, or like accent pillows, we don't really use them. We literally, we have three pillows we put on our bed every morning. We make the bed. We take them off every night, put them on the floor, and we sleep in the bed. Get those pillows up every single time. Anyone, are you with me? Don't raise your hand, okay? Just say anything. I don't want to get anyone in trouble, okay? We'll do some group counseling later, okay? But the accent pillows are like the blankets. 
The blankets are just laid on furniture all over the house. Like, we live in Florida. It's not cold here. <laughs> we don't need a ton of blankets all over the place. But no, 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 it really helps people feel warm and welcome. The, the thing right now we're going through uh, is we go to Home Depot and we just need plants. I don't know what we need plants for. They don't produce anything meaningful. They're just there. We have like a big plant in this corner of the room and we have a, a smaller plant right there. And then we have this little tiny plant that really like, what does that really do? And that's on there and like, okay, we got, we got plants. I don't, honestly, I don't see it. I don't, so now I'm just like, I just walk around my wallet. Babe, what do you need? Like, you, you, are the, you know what we need. I have no idea. So you could make me out to be a fool and spend lots of money, but I'm also a tightwad. So we're not spending that much money on this stuff. We even had this past week, uh, someone took a space we have behind stage here and kind of redid it a little bit for um, the worship team to be able to kind of relax back there or have practice or whatever they're doing back there. And uh, this lady went and she redid some stuff and she came over to the offices and grabbed three guys and said, hey, come over. I want to show you what I did, which is like you're walking into like a booby trap. You're like, I'm just going to offend you because I don't know. <laughs> we walked in and true, honest, the first thought was, I don't think you did anything. Like, this looks the same, right? And if you're a guy and you're part of the worship team, you went back there, you were like, yeah, it look, looks the same. Thankfully, she started to point out the things that she did. Like, you see these carpets? I got a great deal on these carpets. And it's like, yeah, the carpets look great. <laughs> and these pillows, yeah, those, but they all tie together. Like, it's just so great. Like, I don't work for HGTV. I don't know any of this stuff. It felt like one of those pictures, if you remember the pictures in the newspaper or online where it's like the same picture, but six things are different, and you got to find those six things, and I was going to fail big time. And one of the guys was married to the lady that did that, so like, dude, you got to make sure you get all of it, because if you don't, it's going to be, it will be cold for you in Florida, okay? But, but here's the reality. Even, uh, even funny things like that, like we can laugh about, but also... With our culture, like, we're kind of losing the ability to really connect with people and really show people hospitality. Like, we just, honestly, we just don't know how. And there's actually, if you search online uh, how to have a dinner party, you can find, like, 2.6 million hits in, in, like, a quarter of a second on, here's 10 things to throw a dinner party. I was like, I didn't even know about that stuff to consider, stuff not to consider, all this. And, like, and we can read about it, we can learn about it. But also as a culture, we're losing the ability to really connect in community with each other. Uh, even you think about it, probably if you're like most Americans, you get home from work, you hit the garage door, the door opens, you roll in, you park, you get out of your car, you close the garage door, you go inside, you never even talk to your neighbors. They actually did a study a few years ago, and they asked people how often they connected with their neighbors, and about a third of people said they never interacted with their neighbors. Now, I'm also kind of one of those people, because if someone knocks at my door, if I'm not expecting an Amazon package, I'm suspicious, right? Like, so it's the neighbor? Like, what in the world do they want? Did we, did we park in their spot? Like, I don't know. Like, we're trying to figure out why the neighbor who lives right next door to me is suddenly in a very uncomfortable place at my door. But also I believe that even though we're losing a, a grip on this, like all of us want this. We all really want to connect with people. Even if you're like introverted, like my wife is introverted, she's like, I don't want like 10 friends, I want like two friends. And I just want to have really good friends with those two friends. And some of you are like, yes, I want two people. Get all these other people out. That's why you're online right now watching it. Because you don't want to be with all of us and that's okay. <laughs> Or you're homesick, okay? <laughs> but this is, this is the reality, too. 
is that I believe that God in our human nature, a natural law for us is we know we should care for people. That's why when you see an accident on the side of the road before there's emergency responders, you're thinking, oh, I hope everyone's okay. That's something inside of you saying, oh, I should probably do something. I need to care for people. If you see a young child walking around without their parents, you think, okay, that's not right. I need to go find, I need to care for this person. You see an elderly person who needs help with something. You go over, you want to help them. Or some of you feel like, oh, I, I need to help them, but we don't. So I believe God has something for us that's so much bigger than ourselves. And what, a lot of what we're going to talk about today, uh, really, if you are not a Jesus follower, if you haven't signed up for the Jesus thing, like you honestly get a free pass of a lot of stuff we're going to talk about today. So you can just sit there and enjoy it. Uh, if you are a Christ follower, I'd say you really need to consider um, doing something with what we're going to talk about today. But also, if you're not a Jesus follower, what I'd say is just try it out. Like, what's the worst thing that happens if you open your home and your heart to people? Like, yeah, you can have some relational tension, some difficulty, but like, your relationships are going to be much better if you're generous with yourself and hospitable to people. But hospitality is also really hard, right? It's hard uh, for a few reasons. The first thing is we really want to protect our stuff, right? Like, we really love our stuff. And when uh, you have your house set up the way you like it, if I come into your house, I don't know how you like it. So I'm going to start messing with your stuff, right? If you don't think that, just let me come over and cook a meal in your kitchen. And you'll soon discover, no, you loaded the dishwasher wrong. You did this thing wrong. You did that thing wrong. And we love our stuff. A couple of years ago, we had friends of ours come over, and they were actually coming over, uh, flying down for a week for work stuff. But they came in on Sunday, and it was a Sunday of the Super Bowl. They said, yeah, sure, come over to the Super Bowl. We'll watch the Super Bowl together. And the way our living room is set up is our couch and TV are not, like, centered on each other because it makes more sense with the room. Again, I don't know this. I just hang the stuff on the wall. The TV's like off to the side. So only one chair on the couch is lined up centered to the TV. And that's my seat. <laughs> and I sit there. And so my friend and his wife come over. They're going to watch the Super Bowl with us. And some of you know right where this is going. Where does he sit? In my seat. So then I have to sit on the other end and have the glare from the TV, the light over there with the TV but he's messing with my stuff. I don't like it. So it's easier just to say, no, thanks. Hey, don't come over to my house. Let's go out for dinner. We'll go out for drinks. We'll go out. We'll do whatever. And some of you are like that. Like, hey, yeah, I don't ever want my coworkers or my friends to come and spend time in my house with me because I like to protect my stuff. Another thing that we love to protect is our image. And we, we take the time to really have things kind of put together. Some of you feel like you have to do that even here. And that's where we want to say, hey, like, you don't have to have things put together here because we know no one has it all put together. So everyone's welcome here with all our, our garbage and all of our difficulty and all the struggle of humanity. But for some of us, we love protecting our image. And your coworkers and the other moms in the group and the whatever else on the sports team, like they don't, they don't know how you really are necessarily. And it's hard to keep up an image when they come in your house and they're with you. Right? And that's why we, we want to know weeks in advance if someone's coming over so we can clean everything in our house to make it look like no one lives there to have people over our house. The last thing that we really want to protect is our time. Because again, if we go outside of our house and we get together for lunch or dinner or whatever, like it's easy to say, hey, I got to run. I got another thing I got to get to. But if you're at my house, it's really hard to be like, hey, you have to run because I have something I need to get to. I'm just done. This has been fun, but I'd like to just watch Netflix and chill now. And like, you're making that difficult. 
And as funny as it is, and we can laugh about it and enjoy it and go, yeah, like, you probably identify with one of these. And you probably would say, yeah, like, it is difficult. Even if you have no church background, no Bible background, you say, yeah, I totally get that. And what we want to do is we want to look at this couple. Their names are Priscilla and Aquila, and they had a profound impact on the movement of Jesus' followers, on the movement of the church, because they were hospitable. And it's something that every single one of us can do even today. If you open up your CC app under the sermon resources, you can follow along there. Also, open up your Bible app on your phone or open your Bible. We're going to be in Acts 18. We're going to be there for most of today. And follow along with me in Scripture. We're going to be in Acts 18, starting with the first verse. It says, after this, Paul, now Paul is this guy who's on point, he's on mission with, for Jesus, he's going around to different cities, he was in Athens, then he goes to Corinth, those are different cities that he's going all over, teaching about Jesus, having a gathering of people trust in Jesus, and then they start churches. He stays there, teaches them for a while, and then he goes to the next city. So he was in Athens, and then he goes to Corinth, and while he's there in Corinth, he meets a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Now, something that's worth noting here is if you look up the historical records of Emperor Claudius, he actually made a decree that all the Jews had to leave Rome. It was right around like AD 49. So this is a real thing. And the reason I point that out is because uh, for some of us, we're investigating faith and we're trying to see like, can I trust the Bible? And when you see historical content like this, you can go look it up and you will see that the Bible is accurate in that sense. And like Priscilla and Aquila are not just made up people. It's not like Mickey Mouse. This is real people who lived in the first century who were living in Rome that got displaced because of the, the emperor and his Uh, rule. So then we go on a little bit. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. And every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So this is what, what Paul would do. He shows up in Corinth, he meets people, and then he stays with them. They're both tent makers, which means they just had this common trade that they could work together, and they really helped resource Paul to continue going to the synagogue, which is just a, basically almost like a, a Jewish church, if you will, like a gathering place for Jews to hear from the scriptures. He would go there, and he would talk with people and try to convince them, try to show them from the scriptures that Jesus was God. And, and the thing is, like, he would have a much more difficult time doing this if he wasn't staying with Priscilla and Aquila. And their hospitality really, it really was directly connected to him sharing the message of Jesus. They were willing to say, hey, you can come and stay with us. You don't have to worry about a lot of things. And Paul was not a slacker at all. Like, he was working with his hands, making tents, and then going to the synagogue to talk with people about Jesus and staying with them. And it wasn't like, a, hey, you get a free ride, but... Now, you can stay here. You don't have to worry about a whole bunch of stuff. You don't have to figure out some in situation. You don't have to figure out someone else you got to rotate around and stay with. Like, you can stay here with us. And because we are opening our home and heart to you, you can go take the message of Jesus to people and impact the whole city of Corinth. But then, actually, they built an incredible relationship with this man, Paul, Priscilla and Aquila did. And then it says here a little bit later, Paul stayed in Corinth for some time. So this is his building the church time. Where It wasn't like building a building. It was building into people. 
This is the building of the church time. He stays there for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. So they went from being like casual acquaintances to like, hey, you can have a spare room in our house and you can stay here to like we're co-workers to now we are committed partners with each other in the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Think about this. They lived in Rome and then they were displaced from some political imperial decree that they had to leave Rome. So they were displaced from their home in Corinth. They probably didn't have a very easy time there. And instead of saying, hey, we're going to set up shop in Corinth, we're going to stay here for a long time, we're going to have some long-term investments here, and we're really going to set up ourselves really well for later in life, they said, no, you know what? We're going to leave Corinth because this is more important. Because partnering for the message and mission of Jesus Christ is more important than my own comforts and long-term care. It's not saying we neglect our bodies. It's not saying we're foolish with our finances and planning. It's not saying any of that. But they said, no, this is something greater than the other thing, to go with Paul, to be part of his mission and ministry, teaching people about Jesus. And then even Paul, as we see, if you look in uh, the chapter 18, which I would encourage you, no matter what, every week, read in the app, read the Bible. Look, we're talking about Acts 18. Go read Acts 18 for yourself. In a, a healthy way, like don't trust everything someone just says from a stage. Some of you have done that and it's caused you a lot of hurt. Some of you, like that's why you're turned off from church. is because someone from a stage said something and, and you just said, I'm just going to trust that person, not thinking like, hey, I'm a broken person too. I can get things wrong as well. And even Priscilla and Aquila and Paul, like they weren't perfect people. But Paul left them in Corinth, or he left them in Ephesus. They started in Corinth, they went to Ephesus, and they stayed there. And he left them to keep going on missionary stuff. So they went from acquaintances to committed partners to now he's leaving them. In my opinion, just my thought, why he left them and he went on to another city is because he knew that they would do an incredible job taking the mission and the focus of Jesus Christ in that city. He knew that they were incredibly hospitable, where they'd have people in their home, that they'd teach people God's word. Also, they were incredibly generous. And those are the people you want. Hey, if we're going to start a church or we're going to start a gathering, like those are the people we want. They're going to work hard and they're going to love people well and care for people. So that's why I believe Paul left them in this city of Ephesus so he could go on. And even through this process, Paul multiplied himself. So things weren't more and more dependent on Paul. He was training and equipping and enabling other people to, hey, you take this mission out. For some of us, honestly, like we need to have that mentality of not so much like, oh, it's the pastor's job. Like it, it's all of our job. It's every single one of us going out and, and learning how, and you don't have to be perfect about it. You don't have to know everything, but learning how to care for people well. Learning how to sit with your coworker or your neighbor or the mom in the other group or whatever it is and really share with them the hope and the message of Jesus. And you don't have to have like a theological background and paper to go, hey, believe all this stuff. You can just say, hey, I just trust Jesus. And you can go, you can be about the mission and ministry of Christ right where you're at. Now, one kind of thing, a quick kind of almost like a side note um, just to, to talk about real quick, is as you look in this passage, you see at the very beginning, Paul met a guy, Aquila, and then met his wife, Priscilla. But almost every other time that this couple is mentioned, her name is first. 
Like if you look right in your Bible, if you're in the app, there's a bunch of passages in the app with the notes. If you look in Acts 18, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. Other passages, other letters are written to, and you know, say hello to Priscilla and Aquila and the church that meets in their home. And some scholars would say the reason this is, is because Priscilla was more important than Aquila in the sense of either she was more knowledgeable about the scriptures, she was more committed to the ministry and mission of the church, she was just more helpful. And this is kind of a, a thing of, again, this is like kind of a side note, this is just, just for free, okay? Of uh, Honestly, in church background, uh, we've really made church a boys club. And we've made it where you have to be a man to have specific roles and responsibilities and things. And, and I would say, when you look at the creation of humanity, God made man and God made woman, and they both have the image of God on them but they have different roles, different responsibilities. Just like my wife is a mother, I can never be a mother, and my wife can never be a father, but we're both equal in being parents. We're both equal in our value. And this is where I'd say, like, in our gathering, we really need to take strides to say, hey, we don't want to just be diverse in our ethnic backgrounds. Like, we want to be diverse where, like, women's ministry stuff is not just go watch the babies or run the cafe. Like, and I work with the children's ministry. Like, man, we need people to watch the babies. We need people to do the cafe. But for so many women, like, you are so talented and God-gifted to do so many things, and you feel like, oh, well, I don't want to step out because church history has said, no, you don't step out. You just stay quiet in the nursery. That's where with our gathering, and especially, like, honestly, as a dad, I got two sweet little girls. I want them to have incredible impact for God's kingdom. I want them to be able to look back at their life and just say, man, like God used me in an incredible way and I understood how God created me. I understood that I can make a difference and it's not based on my gender. Now again, we have distinct roles that we work through and we talk about, but we really need to enable every single person in our gathering to function as God intended them to and have an incredible ministry. So while Priscilla and Aquila are in Ephesus, they meet this other guy named Apollos. And this is what it says about him. So they're there, they're doing their thing. And meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been taken, or he'd been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Now, this guy, Paul, he's a smart guy. He's a great teacher. Okay, now, now this is the thing, too. This is even like a side note. We're going to talk about this a little bit. Like, Priscilla and Aquila were not the big onstage great teachers. They were the behind the scenes, come on our house, we're going to teach you a lot of stuff. But Apollo is there, and he's teaching about the things of God, but he only knew up into the baptism of John, which some of you are thinking, what in the world is the baptism of John? So God decided that he would make a promise that Jesus was going to come, the Messiah, the promised one was going to come. Before that, he sent a forerunner, a predecessor, to get people ready. So John was this guy. Some of your Bibles, if you look at the beginning of like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they'll talk about John the Baptist. Hate to break it to you, John was not a Baptist. He baptized people, okay? That was what he did. It wasn't like he had a Baptist church on the corner. He just baptized people. And what baptism is, is an outward expression of an inward choice. And John came basically telling people, you got to repent. 
You've got to turn. God is going to accomplish his mission very soon. The way you're going, like doing your own thing, you need to turn from that. You need to come and follow God, follow the law that God's given us. Like You need to turn to God. You have to turn to God. If you don't turn to God, it's not going to be good for you when God comes to accomplish his mission. So turn to God. Everyone, please turn to God. That's the message that Paul was teaching. But when Jesus came, he didn't just teach turn. He taught to trust. Now, it wasn't that John's message was incorrect as much as that it was just honestly was incomplete. Jesus came teaching, trust me that I have the power to forgive your sins. Now, John had no ability to teach that because John had no authority to forgive sins because only the person who's been wronged has the authority to forgive sins. So when, if John said, I forgive you in the name of God, John's not God. Jesus coming saying, I am God and I have the authority to forgive you. So trust me. And that's where our whole gathering, our whole church, all of Christianity has been focused on Jesus and trusting Jesus. Jesus came to earth, lived a perfect life, predicted his own death and resurrection, and then did that. Now, if you can do that and you say you're God, chances are it's all true. If you say you're God and you predict your own death and resurrection and then you die and you don't come back to life, then I can't trust you. So Jesus coming to die for us, predicting his own death, resurrection, coming back, and then hundreds of people saw him. Like eyewitnesses, they actually saw him. They didn't see a picture of him in the National Enquirer on their way through the checkout. They actually saw Jesus. Hundreds of people. And Jesus is saying, trust me. Trust me that I have the power to forgive and wipe away all the sins, all the bad things you've ever done, and trust me that I can restore you back to God. Trust me that my way is better. And for some of us, we've never trusted Jesus. And we're, we're focusing and we're trying to look at all the different things of Scripture. We're trying to figure out, like, where in the world, how does Scripture work? What's going on? Can I believe this? Well, I don't know. Did, like, what about the flood? Like, that seems really unbelievable. I don't know if that's right. Or, or this thing happened. Or this couple got married and they had a baby when they were, like, 100 years old. That just sounds gross. I don't think that really happened. Or whatever else in Scripture. Like, the dates don't match up. Or the history. I don't know. And I could just, just focus you on one point. Will you trust Jesus? Will you trust that Jesus said all that stuff happened, so I believe that all that stuff happened because Jesus said it? Will you trust Jesus that his way really is better? So for a first time, you can trust Jesus, but also for all of us, even if we have a relationship with God and we've walked with God for years and years, we need to trust Jesus every day. Every morning, you need to wake up and think, okay, am I going to trust Jesus that what he said about treating my spouse is really the way I need to treat my spouse? Am I going to trust Jesus that what he said about how I handle my money is really the best way? Am I going to trust Jesus that him calling me into community with people, to be vulnerable with people, like, is that really the way? Am I, am I going to trust Jesus honestly? Am I going to trust Jesus that exposing my broken, disgusting sin thing that I'm really ashamed about, that bringing that out to other people, like, is that really the best way? And for all of us, we need to take a moment every day and say, Jesus, I want to turn and trust you. I just want to trust you. I don't know what it's going to look like, and I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I just need to turn and trust. And we're able to do that because Jesus is the one who came and declared, just trust me. That's what everything hinges on.
So as Apollos is teaching about this baptism of John, Priscilla and Aquila hear him, and this is what happens. They heard him, this is verse 26, and they invited him into their home. Everyone say home. home. Everybody say home like you mean it. Home. Thank you. <laughs> and what did they do? They explained the way to him of God more accurately. They taught him. They worked together. Even, honestly, like he's a smart guy. He knows a lot about Scripture. They're smart people. They know a lot about Scripture. And they're working together, helping each other understand things better and better. And this is just what they did. Think about it. They're displaced from their home in Rome, in Corinth. They meet Paul. They say, hey, come in our home. Let us help support you. Let us help you with what you're doing. And then and Paul takes them and says, okay, we're going to go to Ephesus. They go to Ephesus. They're there. They hear Paulus. They say, hey, you need more instruction. Come into our home. Let us teach you. Let's live life with you. And let us show you the whole message of Christ. And then, honestly, what is the result of that? Like, what happened because they did that? If you look in your passage a little bit later, it says, when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. Right? They wrote to another church in another city saying, welcome this guy. He's legit. He's one of us. He knows what he's talking about. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, providing or proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Because of Priscilla and Aquila, he had his message of Christ became complete. Not just that a promised one was coming, not just that a Messiah was coming, but Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the promised one. And for us, a lot of us in this room, we kind of can fall into either two groups. We're either like Apollos, where you go, okay, I don't even know if I could stand up and talk about Jesus. I don't know if I could talk to my coworker about Jesus. I don't know if I could talk to my neighbor about Jesus. And we genuinely don't know the things of God, and that's okay. And we'd say, man, like, I feel like I'd want to do that, but I just don't know how. Or I, I feel really like I can't do stuff because I don't know stuff. There's also a group of us that we're like Priscilla and Aquila, that maybe you've walked with God for some time and you say, okay, I don't have it all together and no one is pretending like anyone really does, but I could take time, I could step out and I could invite someone into my home and I could share with them the word of God. I can Google search stuff with them. I can show them what I, like, little I know. I can open my home and my heart to people and let them come and be with me because this is the thing. This is not something that's just gonna happen over dinner sometime. Paul multiplying himself, imprinting himself onto Priscilla and Aquila so much that he could leave them in a city and say, okay, you guys got this. I'm going to go do this in a different city. That only comes from spending time together. Because so many things, you know this is true, so many things are not simply taught, they're caught. That's why like, for all of us, like, we act in some degree just like our parents. And it drives us crazy, Right? And it wasn't like your dad or your mom ever sat down and said, hey, this is how to act when you get really frustrated. They never sat you down and said, hey, this is how you do this thing. You just watch their behavior and soon you learn to behave like they did. And in the same way, when you as a 
older or more uh, knowledgeable Christian say, hey, I'm going to bring some other people in my house that maybe don't know as much as I do. Or it's not a proud thing. It's just like, hey, I want to give what I've been given. I want to steward well the knowledge and wisdom that God's given me. And you say, hey, I don't have these people over. Like, you're going to blow it sometimes. Right? Like, you're going to say something to your spouse. You're going to say something to them. that's go, oh, man, I can't believe I said that. And then they get to watch God use you to apologize. And God, for a lot of us, you will learn a lot more watching someone apologize and watch them do something great all the time. That's one thing, honestly, just personally for me, my dad, my dad is a great man. And one of the things that I believe that made him such a great man is he would apologize to his kids. He'd tell us, man, I blew it. We would work on a project, something wouldn't go right. He'd say something that probably wasn't right, like a four-letter word. And then later he comes to us, hey, I blew it. I shouldn't act like that. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Because that's, right, that, that's not the best way for me to live and to teach you how to live as a man. So get in community with people. That's what today is all about. Yeah, hospitality, opening your home and your heart, but also, more importantly, get in community, connect with other believers. That's why as you were coming in, our community group leaders, several of our group leaders were out in the air, outside uh, just connecting with people. They have community group shirts, and they're there because they have space left in their group. And they say, hey, I, you know, we got six people. We can add six more. For some of you, it's scary to look on our website or our app and see someone's name and picture and where they meet and think, I'm just going to show up at someone's house. That's weird. I don't want to do that. But if you could meet him out here after the service, you'd be all about it. So go connect with him after the service. My prayer is that you would have an instant connection and begin to know who they are so you can say, hey, I want to walk with these people. I want to I have my life changed because I'm obeying, I'm trusting God that it's better to live in community than by myself. And, and this is honestly where if you're a, a believer, like this isn't a, a, really an option for you. And if you're, not, if you're not a believer and you're like, hey, I haven't signed up for anything, the whole Jesus thing, like I'm still checking out, like, hey, you can just check out right now, okay? You can do like the smirk, like when your friend got in trouble when you were in high school and you are over their house, right? Everyone remember that awkward moment when you're at your friend's house and their mom or dad gets on them for doing something and it's just like, do I laugh? Do I cry? Do I, I don't know what to do. So you can just sit here. If you're not a Jesus follower, you just sit here. You just say, hey, I get a pass. But if you are a Christ follower, it's not an option for you to be hospitable to people. And it looks different for everyone, but we, out of love, need to show hospitality. This is the way Peter said it. He said, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to each other without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, the thing that's so great is, and he says this, you've, each of us has received a gift and we need to be faithful stewards of the gift he's given to you, not to me. Some of you would hate to stand up and talk to a room full of people. Some of you would hate to go and, and share Jesus' message with kids. Some of you would be like, I just would hate to stand out and be on the safety team. Some of you would hate to do some things, but God's specifically designed you to do something and you need to figure out what it is and do it. And I would say for most of us, it's open our home to some degree of people. Maybe it's one person. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's just, hey, every week we're going to have dinner because we have a neighbor who doesn't have any family in the area, and every week we're going to invite them over for dinner. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe you're not someone who says, hey, I, want, I need to get connected to a community group. Maybe you're someone that needs to lead a community group. 
If I could just say it um, in, like, I don't want to be mean in saying this. I know anytime someone says something like that, you're like, oh, he's going to be a jerk right now. But some of you, you've been coming, you've been attending, you've been sitting, and you've been focused not on what you can give, but on what you can get. And people want to connect in community groups, and you may be a person that could lead one of those groups. And that's scary and intimidating for you, but if God is telling you to do it, it goes back to the just trust Jesus. Interact with us. We have Adrian will be out there. I'll be out here. Talk with Adrian. He leads our community group ministry. Talk with me. We interact about that. We have a process we go through with people to see, hey, would you be a great fit to lead a community group? You don't have to know everything, but like, do you want to care for people? We can teach you about the Bible, but do you want to care for people? Because that's exactly what Priscilla and Aquila did. And through caring for people, they really carried the mission of Jesus forward. Because you can't carry the mission of Jesus forward without caring for people. And for a lot of us, we need to begin to give back. And imagine what your life would be like if five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, six months from now, you say, I mean, I stepped out in obedience. I stepped out. I didn't think it was a huge thing, but I stepped out and said, I'm going to start to lead a group. I'm going to start to serve. I'm going to start to give my life away instead of trying to save my life for myself. I'm really going to be generous with myself. Imagine the impact you could have. Imagine the marriages that you say, hey, this marriage is falling apart, but and it's not because I had all the answers, but because I just stepped up and said, hey, I'll provide a space for people to be okay telling people their marriage is falling apart. And because of that, we were able to talk with each other and help each other. Or we say, hey, I want to step up and I want to go to Velocity. I want to lead a small group in Velocity, a small group of students. And I'm going to have a place where a student can tell me they've thought about taking their life because they've thought about taking their life. And I'm providing a space for them to really tell someone about it because they need to tell someone about it. They need help. I'm not trying to be mean, but I got some fire in my belly about this. I'm tired of people coming and thinking about what they can get. All of us need to be tired of that. Jesus didn't come to earth, and this is not a guilt trip, this is just the truth. Jesus didn't come because what he could get, he came to lay his life down and gave us that example and said, okay, now you can do the same thing with my power. And if you're not a Jesus follower and all this sounds crazy and you're like, man, I don't know if I could do that, why don't you just try it? Why don't you just try thinking of other people? Some of you already think about other people a lot. But just think, hey, how can I help people connect? How can I help people learn and grow? My prayer for you is that you would be able to really see God do a great work in you as you step by and say, I'm just going to turn and trust Jesus. I'm going to lead a community group. I'm going to join a community group. I'm going to step up and serve whatever it might be, because we want to open our home and our hearts to people. We also want to be a gathering that collectively we open the home and heart of Jesus every single weekend through our services. Because when we're walking in obedience, I think God's going to do an incredible work. You even look at the passage in chapter 18 where it talks about how, how Apollos then went and was able to teach even more people. I don't think he would have went and taught more people unless Priscilla and Aquila took him into their home and taught him first. It might seem small and insignificant, but it could have a huge impact. And I really believe you need to act now. You need to act today. You need to sign up for something. You need to step out, have a conversation, and begin that process because God 
would love to fulfill the good works he's already set for you to do. We just need to follow in obedience. Would you pray with me today? God, we thank you so much. God, we thank you that you have opened your home to us, that as we turn and trust you, God, we are welcome to your very household. God, we just ask that we would really be able to walk in obedience and love, that we'd be able to be hospitable to other people. God, for the people here who are disconnected and want to connect, I pray that they would find a place where they can begin those relationships. God, for the people here today who have felt you leading them to lead a community group, God, to talk about leading a community group, talk about creating a space for people to learn and grow together, God, that they would take a step of faith and begin that conversation with us. God, knowing that you have set out good things for us to do, we simply need to follow and obey. I pray that you bless our work. God, we thank you so much, and we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.